0: Oxford from the Inside. The
1: good, the bad, but always the truth. Hey guys, welcome to Oxford from the Inside. The good, the bad, but always the truth. Today we're joined by Kirsty and Ernest. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves?
0: Hi, I'm Kirsty. I've recently finished my degree in history and politics and I'm about to start a master's in women's studies, also in Oxford.
2: Hi, I'm Ernest. I'm a finalists doing history and politics at trinity college so same am nice
1: um so today we're going to be talking about um writing a personal statement for history and politics i'm um, going to go into the details of like all the advice that these two have to offer and um yeah so to start off um how would you guys say um how to write a good per- um history personal statement uh starting with ernest
2: well i think the one thing to bear in mind is really that you yeah, applying for both a politics and a history degree. So you need to think about how the two relate and intersect and maybe how the you understand these two subjects. So for me within my personal statement, I was thinking mostly about how history and politics are really intertwined with our lives and you know my life and how these two subjects really shape the stories that we have about ourselves, about our families, about our relationships and these societies that we have. So maybe if you want to go down this line of thinking, what exactly that looks like for you is going to differ. So there's no template that you can use for your history and politics. A personal statement, because everyone's identity is shaped by, you know, various different events, um, political forces and events that they go for. And for me, I think I got to thinking about how my own parents met and how strange it is to exist in this country that is in a bit strange by itself, because I think Singapore's history, where I'm from, is quite um, different, I would say, from other countries in the region. And at the same time, I also want to imply that you have to have a personal interest you express within your personal statement that has to be, you know, down a familial or genealogical path or whatever. If you're really interested in ancient civilizations or the national history of a country you've never really been to but read about, or even things like, you know, literary history, the environment, international relations, um, political philosophy, all these things are really interesting in their own right. But what's important is that you really um, express this interest in your personal statement. And I think you really show that you grasp what's so unique about these subjects and perhaps how they interact with each other. I think more generally, my advice is just that most colleges want you to know, um, to demonstrate that you'll be a very good student of history and politics. And I think Kirsty has a bit more to say about this as well.
0: Yeah, so I think it's such a short piece of work that it's so important that you focus on what you're interested in, and sort of like what Ernest was alluding to, rather than what you think the university wants you to be interesting, interested in. because There's so much flexibility in the degree itself that you are able to pursue your own interests. So you need to sort of show initiative in developing your own interests and the personal statement is the perfect opportunity for that. Um, So in my personal statement, I chose one broad topic and focused on that and related it to various bits of my experience, things that I've studied at school. But you really don't have to have that as your sort of main interest. You can have lots of different interconnected or completely disparate interests that you refer to in your personal statement. And it really doesn't matter as long as it's your interest. Um, so yeah, I mentioned it before. It's also important that you show yourself as someone who's developing your knowledge and interests and experiences beyond your school curriculum. And um, whatever these things may be, they really don't have to be prestigious at all. And um, they could be as simple as sort of reading a book that you've found, or and um, yeah, and talking about it, and going to on online courses. So many of them are available, really. Yeah.
1: Um- So I was wondering, um, from both of you, um, how do you balance between, like wanting to like, do do you, are you advocates for wanting to write as many ideas that you're interested in as possible, but then compared to like, how do you balance writing as much different concepts and ideas compared to also writing enough about each each idea, if that makes sense, instead of just listing, how do you manage that, uh, starting firstly? So,
0: I would say, it because it is such a short piece of work, I decided to focus on one broad topic which at at the time it was just after the the European referendum in the UK. So I focused on that as my centrepiece and waved the rest of my statement around it. I do think it's possible to write it in more sort of bitty chunks. Um, But again, I don't think there's enough space to expand upon it within your personal statement. And if it's something that isn't clear from your personal statement, um, it's some. It's the type of thing that an interviewer might bring up if you're invited to an interview at the university. So it's not the end of the world if you can't answer all your
1: hmm. sort of questions within the personal statement itself. What would you say, Ernest, to the same question?
2: Yeah, so I think I approached it a bit differently in the sense that I did bring up a few more um, different, disparate points. So why does it sort of tie this idea of history and politics to my uh, to my personal background and my family history? at the start and end. But in between, I was talking about how um, throughout my school curriculum and outside of it, I was exposed to things like uh, late Chinese history or critical theory frameworks or even things like modern United Nations, which I did quite a bit of. And I sort of talked very briefly about how these things were interesting. I think, as Kirsty mentioned, you will get the chance to expand upon them most of the time if the professor finds these are quite intriguing ideas about you, but you don't have the space to do it, right? It's going to be 600 words thereabouts that you are writing with. So I think as long as you make sure you can justify or explain whatever you you've mentioned in your personal statement. So you know, don't, don't name drop books and it turns out you haven't read them before or you mention some professor's name and you, know, you have completely mischaracterized them in your statement or in the interview. I think that's going to be where it backfires. But I think generally just trying to show how you think about the world um, is what's important. And whether you think about it in a very focused way or in terms of many different ideas to interact, I think all of that's definitely fine. It's a time to be creative in some ways.
1: So would you both say that uh, like a prospective student shouldn't be too um, stressed about writing a topic in only a few sentences and knowing that they're not doing this topic justice but
0: yeah, not, yeah. At all. Yeah, not at all I, it's the personal statement so short that you're just expected to show sort of the breadth of your interests and experiences and you'll have chances to follow that up potentially later in subsequent mm-hmm. part of the application so
1: um, in terms of um, the kind of topics that you learn in uh, history and politics, where you can learn in history and politics at Oxford. Um, but do, you, do you need to tailor the kind of things that you want to talk about to the course, or is the course that broad that you can really talk about anything that you're interested in?
2: Yeah, I'd say that the course is really quite broad in the sense that history and politics is one of the few degrees where you can pretty much pick from the beginning everything you're going to do. So just to break it down, um, in your first year, you'll be taking four papers, and then the only one that's compulsory is really this thing called Introduction to Political Practice which is a slightly more empirical, political science-y paper. And then everything else is pretty much up to you. You can pick whether you want to do philosophy, um, political philosophy, for instance, or more historical theories of the state thing. And then when it comes to the actual history that you're doing, for example, it can be anything from early medieval Britain to 19th century imperial history. So I think as long as your personal statement really just shows that you're thinking about history in a particular way historians might be doing it, that's fine. You don't need to sort of address it to a particular period or society or theme.
0: Uh, no, so, uh, so it's a bit different. I, I think it can be useful to do your research of the course itself, just to make you feel confident that you, you know what you're applying for. Um, I, think I, refer, I found a couple of modules that I was interested in when I sort of ahead of the interview, although I don't think I necessarily explored it in my personal statement. It can be quite useful to have a topic that you, you're interested in and might want to pursue further to discuss at the interview stage. But yeah, the personal statement, you really don't need to tailor it to specific modules. Mm.
1: Um, I just wanted to pick up on what you're saying, Ernest, um, about how, um, how there's philosophy within like history, like studying history and politics. So for prospective students who are interested in philosophy, can, is that relevant to put, put into the personal statement for a history and politics degree?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, when it comes to history, there's a lot more reflexivity within a subject. So you're not just doing history in the sense of studying past events right, by really thinking about um, what approaches historians take, and that includes things like philosophies of history. The same thing goes with um, politics itself, right? A big part of it is political theory, which pretty much is just philosophy as well. So it's a very interdisciplinary subject, and I think in recent years have been trying to make it even more um, communicative with other disciplines. So if you're interested in things like sociology, anthropology, um, gender, the environment, economics, all these are still things you can bring into your personal statement as long as I guess you're aware that you're approaching it through a political or historical perspective, yeah.
1: Um, and I'm actually
2: really going to, uh, back to what Kirsty mentioned as well, if I can add on, yeah, course, I think it's really yeah. useful to also look at what, um, prof- what your professor's specialties are in the college you're applying to. So actually if you do find that you're interested in a particular course, usually if you express an interest, it is a sign that you have done your research for the college. And of course it helps you, right? Because that means you are also going to a college where uh, faculty members using a more exciting approach or something or doing something they're actually quite interested in for the next three years.
1: Okay. D- did you both do that like when you're applying the college double checking what the academics uh, background was? Um, uh, Kirsty?
0: So sort of. Um, I've, I've researched it but I think I've, most of the basically it ends up that most of your courses can be taught externally as well. Mm the end of the world if there isn't a tutor at your college that teaches your specialty. So when I was picking my college, I both looked at the professor's specialties, but also sort of looked at accommodation and other things, which probably have a more more of an impact on your life at university because hmm. the teaching thing can be overcome.
1: And, and just to clarify, you did uh, look at what academics were their background was beforehand, honest when you applied.
2: I think I did that. But again, like Percy said, it's not the mm. deciding factor. Because compared to other um, subjects where you can be taught entirely in-house, most of the time you will get shipped out for teaching, barring one or two core papers like politics that Trinity will offer um, through their own academics. So mm. most of the time it's because of the specialization of the subject. That means you don't have to really be that focused on a single faculty member.
1: Mm. Oh, I was just slightly a bit off topic from the personal statement, but just wanted to clarify. So it sounds like history and politics is extremely, extremely broad. So is it the case that you're able to choose from such a wide range to study or do you have to cover a lot of ground, if that makes sense? Like, which of the two is it? Like, is it that you have to learn almost everything or you get to choose within from a, a big range, um, starting with Kirstie?
0: Yeah, so I'd say it's more the latter. It's more you get to choose your papers from a wide range. You're not expected to know everything. I've graduated and I feel like I don't know. So <laughs> it, it's very much more you get, there's such a wide range that you, of papers that you can pick to specialise in. And that you have so much impact on how much you overall do um, by picking specific modules. So you, there's, there are rules when you're picking papers about overlap and sort of sufficient breadth of papers. But besides that, you determine how much you want to cover, essentially.
2: Yeah, because I think I, did, I crunched the numbers once in first year. And then I figured you could actually do something like 600 different paper combinations uh, just in first year alone, right? Not to mention all the things you can do do as a finalist. So, I mean, that's a lot of breadth. No one's expected to know everything. You could go your entire degree not having something to, in common with other people in your year. But I think that's the fun of, you know, the paper choice that you get. I think by the end of the first time, I had more in common of an archaeology and anthropology student than an actual historian. Up until I started taking the other papers in, uh, in my second and third year.
1: Um, I also wanted to ask, um, what do you guys, like, if you choose, like, two or three things that you find most interesting within history and politics, what would you both say, uh, starting with Kirsty. Oh, that is
0: it. I suppose, are you talking about specialisms or just sort of fun facts?
1: Uh, especially like so something where if a prospective student is listening to this and they're struggling to find um inspiration or something to write about what would what things are you interested in
0: so uh, as my sort of master's title probably indicates i found the gender paper gender history paper did in first year very interesting and it was sort of something that i pursued through both a historical and political lens throughout the rest of my degree and i'm now going on to do some postgraduate study in it so i think it's it's not so much about finding a topic that you're interested in but i've found an approach to learning that i really engage with um, so i'd say looking at gendered approaches to history and the way in which our political discourse is impacted by that is really interesting
1: to me um, yeah just oh, Sorry, uh because uh, inter- uh, i guess like just for anyone who doesn't know that like, cuz i guess like gender the word gender and imp- imp- uh, imply lots of different things what sure. what does it mean in a in history like what do you got, what would you study about and go and study about
0: so it's looking at it it depends there's so many different definitions and they're all quite loaded but in a broad sense it's looking at the ways in which sort of the, cul- the ways that culture interpret biological difference and the impacts that have upon the lives that people live and that kind of thing it, there's so many different ways of looking at it it's you can look at both kind of bodily experience and how biology and our understanding of biology are shaped by cultural values and cultural norms. And at the same time, you can sort of, there's so many different ways of doing it. So You can, one of my papers I did in first year, we looked at the role of gender discourse in the sort of language of war. So the way in which um, sort of metaphors and ideas of war are colored by ideas of gender and that kind of thing. And sort of, so you look at sort of, you've, that's a sort of distinction between women 's and gender history in particular, whereas with gender, his- gender history you can look at sort of masculinity and that sort of thing as well.
1: <laughs> what, what about masculinity specifically? Just caught my interest
0: <laughs> Just So the way in which it's constructed through cultural norms and that sort of thing, and the way in which it impacts how men are perceived, but also in terms the impact it has upon how women are perceived and femininity and sort of the symbiotic relationship between the two
1: mm. Oh, that is really interesting. Um, and Ernest, um, same question for you. If you were to like, choose uh, one or two things, um, or three, um, that you find most interesting about history and politics, thus far?
2: Well, I actually think the answer would differ whether you know, I found myself more as a history and politics student, or a politics and history student first and foremost. I think up to now, I still very much think of my, myself as being a history, historian first and foremost, uh, with a sort of foray into politics. But maybe this is actually different if I've gotten a different set of guests on the show. But for me, what I found really, find really interesting both in, um, in both subjects, actually, is the way that they both tell stories about the world. Because in the end, I suppose history and politics are very much about the studies of human agency and human behavior. So I don't really have a specific, perhaps, um, lens or societies to use. But I think it's just quite funny as to how you can dig in stories everywhere. So even the most boring medieval manuscript, you know, in, in Italian or some language you don't really speak, right? Turns out to review some anecdote about how you get this absolutely bonkers saint who just goes there, chews some like dead um, saint's finger bone off, gets scolded by the monks, and then he steals this back to his cathedral back in um, Lincoln or something, you know, wacky medieval hijinks. Or even in tw- the 20th century, you get all these um, very interesting approaches surrounding all these miscommunications that lead to actual wars being fought or you know, widespread political turmoil. So I think they're just very, there are a lot of different stories depending on where you look and how you try and um, understand human behavior and agency. And whether you do this through politics and history, I think, or history, you can actually you know, uncover a lot of these perspectives and untold stories in some ways. Okay. I think another thing that I find quite interesting, actually, is the overlap this um, both disciplines have with other uh, subjects. So I've been quite interested in looking at more visual and aesthetic methods, not just in history, which I think is more commonly practiced through art history or, you know, looking at comics as a source to understand maybe um, gender stereotypes. But in the sense of, I think, in IR and security studies, which is something you can do in politics as well, I'm actually thinking about how narratives actually shape the world a lot. They're not just ways of representing our thoughts about the world, but they actually have a lot of different ways you can, um, provide a lot of different ways you can think about things like security and disorder, things like that. So there's a lot of different ways you can actually explore this, even within an undergrad degree at Oxford, which surprised me a lot because most of the time these are you know, thought of as very strange theoretical forays. But Actually, you, can, you have a lot of leeway to explore them within your essays and tutorials. Uh,
1: can you just quickly um, explain a bit more about what is the is it IR and security? Um, what is that exactly? Yeah,
2: so, so the gist of it basically um, is that actually a lot of times we think of security, for instance, as being very much about states, right? We think states behave rationally and then they're driven by things like maybe anxiety or some sort of um, objective behavior. But actually, if we, if we try and boil these things down, we actually realize that things like emotions or visuality actually play a large part in how you know, states and the human actors within them behave. So actually, to understand this in full, I think you need to draw upon historical approaches, for instance, um, how movies in the past actually influenced a lot of American precedents surrounding things like biosecurity and terrorism. And you can draw upon literary approaches as well to really understand how all these things all play out. And I think without understanding the historical links and other kind of disciplinary contributions, you get a very narrow view of how security works. And that's why I find so interesting about um, doing this degree as a history and politics degree, rather than as separate subjects.
1: Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, so going back to more about the, the personal statement and now, because um, obviously, um, well, I assume history and politics count as a joint honours, uh, if I'm right. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that, um, is there, do you guys have any advice on do you, for the personal statement do you have to split how much you talk about politics and history or can you talk about both simultaneously um what would you guys say um starting so
0: i personally talked about them both simultaneously and kind of switched back and forth sort of using my lens to kind of switch back and forth between the two but you definitely could split it if depending on your experiences and interests so that's the thing if If you're interested in very disparate parts of of history, and then, if you're interested in, say, medieval history and then political science, it might be more productive to dedicate separate parts of your statement to it. At the same time, there's still an argument that you could talk about them both simultaneously and spend your statement essentially connecting the two. So, yeah, however you want to do it, really. But as long as you show that you've thought of and you're interested in both aspects,
1: you can do it either way. And there's no, like, like, prerequisite or needs to do it simultaneously to show that you can talk about a topic in both ways?
0: No, not at all.
1: Right. Uh, Ernest, and that the same question
2: about, um, would you agree with Kirsty? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, it's definitely the case that you don't have to write about them together. My advice, actually, is that if, if you try and do that, though, just bear in mind that you don't have to write, therefore, about school history or about, you know, politics as practice in past societies. You can really sort of look at many different topics and themes and societies and understand them through like the kind of small h history and small t politics. So not in the sense of you know how does political science explain uh, medieval peasant uprisings? So that's something that you shouldn't expect it to do. But really understanding maybe politics is thematically about how people negotiate and get things um, that they want or how people organize themselves. Then this is actually a framework you can use to start seeing a lot of different historical events um, in a different light, And the same goes for history applying to politics, right? So right. just unbox not box yourself in, into these sort of big themes of political history or whatever, when writing a personal statement.
1: Oh, it's a thought of a question, um, Dan, for <laughs> um, what made you guys uh, choose history and politics and not some, they're not a neighboring degree, like PPE or straight history or history, and philosophy, or et cetera, um, starting with Kirstie.
0: So I was actually going to apply for PPE until about a month before the deadline, I think. And to be honest, it kind of revolved around the fact that I just wasn't enjoying my maths A-level. And although I, I, could, I could do it, I just didn't, it didn't spark joy. And I sort of, I, I re- at the same time, I really enjoyed my history degree. And we were doing this individual assignment, which is basically this independently researched project that you do as part of your A-level. And I kind of thought actually I think I want to do a bit more history and a bit less numbers. So that's how I made up my mind.
1: Wow, that's, that's pretty, yeah, it's pretty amazing how um, you actually were like very much on the fence between two quite, quite different degrees. Um, and
2: Ernest, uh, what about you? How, what made you choose his poll? Well this is going to sound quite bad as well, but you know same as Kirsty. i wanted to do PP at first and then I didn't do your the equivalent of I think I did the AS math equivalent And then Mm. also it's like no if you're from Singapore you need to do um, proper maths before you can do PPE. So I said fine, Um, can I apply for history and philosophy instead? And they said there's no such degree and I go okay fine Um, I'll do history and politics instead. But I've got no regrets about the whole thing. I think actually in the end it's closer to the degree I wanted to do. So yeah I mean even if it comes across as a second and a half choice when it comes to degrees, it's very much a you know it's been a great journey so far. Mm. Yeah. I so much
1: of the PPE
0: degree you can do as part of the history and politics degree—that's yep. the benefit of it. Whereas, if you were in PPE, you can't. There's less scope to do the sort of more historical papers.
1: Mm. Mm. So, from from like your knowledge, um, the the, co- the modules you can do in PPE besides the economics modules, can you do all of the politics and philosophy within history and politics?
0: Possibly I don't think not I can all. You can do yeah. a lot
1: of them, and no. Mm. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I imagined maybe not some of the philosophy ones, maybe. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Um, I was going to say, yeah, it's quite impressive that history and politics is your second and a half uh, choice, Ernest. Um, Dan. Um, so uh, did you say that they don't? Uh, there's no. Um, Oxford doesn't offer history and philosophy.
2: Is that true? No, it's not not a degree um, available as of now. I think for history, you can do it as history in English, um, history and modern languages, and history and icons as well, and AMH, which is ancient and modern history. But there's no history in philosophy or linguistics, for example, for instance. Interesting. Um, So
1: uh, do you guys have any advice on when you're writing a personal statement, so you're applying to Oxford for history and politics, let's say for the other universities, you might be applying for history and philosophy or just straight history how do you do you have any advice on how you manage your personal statement like do you tailor it to oxford do you try to tailor it to satisfy all universities etc and um, starting with Kirstie.
0: so yeah so i had the same sort of issue when i was writing my personal statement and but then in the end when once i decided i wanted to apply for history and politics ox that i kind of changed all my other applications to history and politics as well so i ended mm-hmm. up making quite a sort of generic history and politics application which well because of the Oxford course being so broad it worked fine um I think that's the benefit for us it's not a huge issue whereas in other for other Oxford courses their degrees are a lot more specific and you need to pay mm-hmm. application to that
1: uh, so that's definitely the case for chemistry for sure <laughs> um but yeah um what would you say Ernest
2: well I think I'm in a bit more of a unique situation because in Singapore as a you have two mandatory gap years as a conscript in the Singaporean Army. So Oxford's actually the only university that let me defer my application for two years. So it ended up being the only um, university that I wrote a personal statement for. So I actually got to mention things about Trinity College in the PS, which I imagine you couldn't do if you applied to another university. But that being said, I had other friends who were in a similar position. I think what they did was to make it so that um, if they wanted to apply for, let's say, a straight history degree elsewhere, then their personal statement would be as a political-flavoured history, personal statement. But then as an Oxford tutor, reading it for a poor applicant, it'd be quite clear that you were showing your interest in both politics and history. And maybe vice versa, if you were applying for a political science degree somewhere else instead of, and having no history in, in your application, you could very much tailor your PS to also double as a politics-focused uh, degree, albeit one grounded in the past and past events, I think.
1: Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, in terms of Exams at the end, uh, end of history and politics. Can you do as many history or as many politics, or do you have to do a minimum amount of one discipline? Um, uh, Kirsty,
0: so are you and for your, once you've done your first year, where your the papers that you take are kind of they're not prescribed, but you have to pick from certain boxes. Um, for finals, so for your second and third year you basically have different pathways that you can pick on pick from which determine the sort of balance of your papers so I ended up picking quite a sort of history heavy uh, final honors school in the end um, but again I know people that have done the opposite and focused more on politics so yeah you, you still even with the history heavy, heavy and politics heavy option there's a limit you still have to have a minimum of papers from the other discipline there's still a lot of scope to kind of
2: influence the balance of your degree. Would you agree, Ernest? Yeah, I think uh, they're just sort of different tracks. I think the bigger one is whether you choose to write history or politics thesis. But even then, the difference is actually not as big as most people imagine. I think don't look at the courses as being offered as only history degrees or political degrees, right? If you're doing, let's say, a history paper on the rise of the Labour Party in the early 20th century, that very much has relevance to politics, and vice versa, right? So my recent paper was politics in Africa. And to understand that you have to look at histories of decolonization or imperialism. And that very much is, uh, brings in historical things as well, even though it's taught by the politics department on paper. So mm-hmm. I think the balance is really what you choose to focus on within your essays, not just when it comes to picking the papers themselves. But I think you'll get a better sense of it once you're in first year, how all this plays out.
1: So just to reiterate, like within your like weekly essays, can you tailor between more one to the other or do you have like certain like or are the essays supposed to be about one discipline more than the other if that if do you if you understand my question uh Kirstie? So
0: so you so do you mean that within our weekly essays for a mm. paper we can determine so generally our paper you'll take papers from a specific faculty so you're sort of overwhelmingly expected to tailor it to that particular faculty um, and there, but then at the same time, in the weekly essays you write for most papers, it isn't hugely different. The style of whether you're writing it for a history or political politics oh. paper. So oh. in some sense, it, it, like it depends on that specific tutor's advice. Writing essays.
1: Um, this is like a um, often tangent question. Um, again, um, would you like? I imagine. Uh, from my limited knowledge, that history is extremely evidence-based. Um, is politics the same or similar? Um, starting with Ernest.
2: Sorry, could you repeat that question again?
1: So um, I imagine, like to f- like make your arguments um, in history is like heavily ev- evidence-based. Um, is it the? Is that the same case for politics?
2: Um, would you say? I think it really depends on what paper you're taking within politics, because again, just like how there's a diversity of papers within history, as Kirstie points out, right? If you're doing, let's say, a gender paper, that might look very different from a very quantitative economics history paper. That's going to be different within politics. If you're doing something like, let's say, um, theories of justice for politics, that's going to be very much philosophy-based, whereas if you are doing maybe international political economy, which is a PPE and his Paul paper, then you have to be marshalling a lot of different kinds of statistical evidence, and it'll teach you how to do it, of course. Whereas when it comes to, you know, other papers, you take like maybe international relations, right? Looking at how peacekeeping went wrong in the 1990s really much, uh, really involves both qualitative and perhaps some sort of more quantitative um, readings of, of the evidence available. So I'd say it really depends on what kind of politics paper. It's a bit hard to generalize because there's so much choice and variation once again within the papers. Mm.
0: No, similarly, I'd say the general rule of thumb I was taught, though, was that your politics essays need to be more argument-based, hmm. argument-centered, and history more evidence-centered. But, like, that is such a wide-ranging rule that doesn't always apply, or it applies to different extents for different papers.
1: Um, but, uh, so moving on to uh, coming towards the end, um, what's the balance between um, history and politi- politics like, um, starting with Ernest? Do you
2: mean within a degree or in um, day-to-day life type things?
1: Um, Wherever you... Where, where, wherever you decide, up to you.
2: Okay, I mean, I'd say when it comes to maybe how you try and keep up with history and politics on a day-to-day basis, right? How, how do you spend your time reading for fun? Um, assuming you do read for history books for fun still after doing a degree. I certainly didn't do that for the first two years of um, my undergrad degree. But I'd say that when it comes to trying to balance between history and politics, maybe the better way to think about it is actually how they interact rather than assuming that they're separated in some ways. So I think when you read the news for instance, Right, you can really think about how maybe these things are motivated by political changes, but also are very much undergirded in longer-term historical um, trends and all that within the region, for instance. One thing that I really benefited from as well is looking at maybe going for different lectures and talks that bridge these subjects together. So I think when you uh, have access to all these seminars, right, you can just walk into them, um, you know, grab a free coffee, whatever, and then chat with people who are actually doing a lot of research between history and politics. And I think you can actually start thinking about how these two different subjects um, work together. So I think the one thing I actually didn't realize in my uni degree was just how many open seminars and workshops and different lectures that were going on at any point in time, right? They're regular um, ones that meet every week. And then you actually get access to really brilliant thinkers and um, researchers in any field. And how they go about thinking about maybe history and politics in relation to war or in relation to the economy is going to be very, very um, interesting. And I think as a student in Oxford, you really get a lot of access to all this cutting it research and theorizing that's going
1: on yeah i also wanted to quickly ask um um are there any do you guys know any um websites that um, has reading material that would be useful for writing a statement? or like i guess i guess there's no specific books because it really depends on what you're going to write about um but yeah as i mean the, i guess there's one website that i can think of is the um broad street humanities review which will add um we'll add in the link um, in the description, which is a uh, uh, Oxford's first um, uh, undergraduate humanities journal, which has loads of um, articles that, um, and many related to history and politics and other uh, humanities disciplines, um, which you could really include in your personal statement. But yeah. Is there any other um, resources that you guys would suggest? Um, starting with uh, Kirsty. So
0: I mostly use my reading for my personal statement to Broaden my understanding of both history and politics beyond what I'd studied at school. So I focused on there's this, this sort of journal called History Today, um, which I found very. <laughs>
1: can you say that again, please? History. It's H-
0: history Today. Mm, okay. And it just gives lots of sort of snippets and sort of short pieces on various historical sort of um, topics that you can, if you find particularly engaging, you can research further and. Thing I think. Because it's such a large discipline, it's that, I found that journal provided really good sort of snippets for someone with limited background in that particular mm. topic.
1: And what about you, Ernest?
2: Well, I think by the time you're writing a personal statement, most of the reading would have been done before that. So maybe sort of past research papers you've done outside of curriculum. But when it comes to maybe keeping up your day-to-day knowledge or sort of just growing a awareness of these two disciplines, I'd say even when it comes to reading things like news art websites, you know, long-form pieces from the New York Times or Atlantic or The Guardian can be quite useful, as are even things like academic blogs or even online forums. So I actually met another history student um, who's at Lincoln now, I think, doing AMH, because he's a moderator of, uh, of the Reddit forum Ask Historians. And then you know, those all sort of provide great micro-level engagements with different historical questions like what could I buy with $5 in um, Spanish Florida at this point in time, that kind of thing. So there are many different ways in which you can begin reading and thinking about things. I think even historical fiction and political fiction actually do help a lot when it comes to imagining different possibilities and alternatives to what we have today. So those are just all ways you can really start thinking a lot more about these subjects.
1: So you're both very strong advocates for the idea that you don't have to be reading like something very like complicated, like research, like articles and like something that you find really interesting, or like a Guardian or... The Times article uh, or in the news is like could be very use- usable, um, usable, um, for a personal statement.
0: Definitely. Um, yeah, you, you don't. You're, they're not expecting you to be reading kind of eyebrow papers that you'll get the opportunity to engage with it at sort of pre level anyway. It's just reading that shows your interest in and that you've taken the initiative to develop mm-hmm. your interest. That's the key.
1: Mm. And um, I guess it's it's much more about what you write and your opinions and showing your curiosity rather than what you read. Definitely. I guess that's like a rule of thumb for like all of the personal statements is try to convince the admissions tutors of how uh, curious you are. And um, because there's some people say that um, like you have to be really clever to get into um, Oxbridge. And I guess like, I don't, I don't know how far I agree with that because you can be like the smartest person, one of the smartest people in the world, but if you're not really interested in your degree, you're not going to study it for 40 hours a week, every week, no matter how clever you are. Like if, if you're not interested in it. And I think as a rule of thumb for each personal statement, uh, trying to convince the admissions tutor that you actually are that invested, that you will um, do that week in week out um, is, would you guys say that like, the ultimate aim overall? Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, I imagine so. Especially because you know how what kind of grade you get at the age of seventeen or eighteen probably don't reflect your curiosity as much to you do your sometimes your school or your other a-, 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 a level subjects. So I imagine that at the end of the day, what you can demonstrate is just that you care about whatever you're applying for, whether it's history and politics or law or philosophy, um, in any university that you're going to try um, and get into.
1: No, yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, but I think that's uh, all that we've got time for today. Um, Thank you, uh, Kirsty and Ernest, for a very interesting conversation and uh, very lots of different ideas that um, people can talk about in their personal statement alongside lots of advice. Um, but yeah, and thank you for the viewers, um, for listening, whether it's on uh, your podcasting platform or YouTube or IGTV. Um, and we'll see you guys next time.